This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome in to Seattle Sports at Night. If you're listening to us on the 710 Sports app, driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers, you're probably noticing we have a new photo looking sharp. That's right. Let's go. About time. Yes. And honestly, Stacey, we took this a while ago. So why did it take so long? They needed a lot of Photoshopping for me. Ah. That's why. That's it? Yep. Okay. Well, I was about to make a confession because I was going to say, well, really, I was the one that held everything up. I just didn't. Didn't like how the pictures turned out. The body Jake shape was being just a was diva. wrong. That's right. I, I tell you what, if I had, had a dollar, a diva moment. Yep, Jake was just constantly going upstairs to Jeanette's office, saying, "I just, I just really <laughs> like this eyebrow a little bit more than this one." That's right. That's right. My just my nose didn't look right. I'm trying to figure out all sorts of ways how I could just. So if we look like we have porcelain skin. I probably overdid it. It's Jake's fault. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yep, but we're on there now where you can also download our podcast, listen to it on iTunes, Google Play. We're Uh, we're getting more and more official, Stacey. We made it. We made it. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Speaking of making it, we made it out to OTAs Tuesday. I knew that I could come up with something, Jake. Okay. I I wasn't sure how. I was wondering where this was going. Well, but you dropped it. I, there you I, go. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Yeah. Uh, where we had our own takeaways, we went over them. Uh, me and Curtis covered a couple yesterday, but already we have them again tomorrow. So so we're on late. It's our last show before we again head out to Seahawks OTAs. So when we uh, recap that tomorrow, you and Curtis will be on. Oh, we'll um, be on. We'll be. You guys on will be live ready, ready seven p.m. Well, yeah, I think it's funny because I was on Bob Grouse and Tom like two weeks ago and I said that and they're like, wait a minute, you're not live? You're always live. No, we're like, but we'll yes, be like we, on at a no, time no, no, that's we exciting. are live, but you, we all consider live as like our actual time slot, our yes. time slot from seven to nine. The live is when you don't go home and like when we go on later, I go home, eat dinner, get comfortable, change right. into sweats. <laughs> <laughs> and we come back. And come in. back into work. Saul, Saul like, would be so disappointed in the way that we look. I'm so glad no one's here. <laughs> Every single time, I'm like, I just you like duck your head, and then you remember that it's like me, you, and whoever's board hopping. Right. Correct. <sighs> correct. It's bad. But uh, it's the life we live, and we have a blast being with you at this time of the night. Feel like we bond with our listeners. During I think this so time. too. We got some loyals now. We do. We really do. We're out here. Everybody's checking in. I love it. And uh, we appreciate you guys sticking with us. And in fact, the Seahawks OTAs leads off today's timeline. Seahawks will take to the field tomorrow slash today at 1130 a.m. We'll have takeaways after that uh, on 710sports.com around 3 p.m. Yours truly, Jake Heaps and Curtis Rogers will then talk about their own takeaways at 7 p.m. for a new episode of Seattle Sports at Night. Head coach Pete Carroll will presumably speak with reporters after practice, which will be a good time to ask him about some of the newest injuries, including two draft picks that were sidelined Tuesday, safety Marquise Blair and running back Travis Homer. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I mean, I'm excited to, to, one, not only get one practice, but two in a week. Two in a week. Stacey? This is awesome. I know. But this is also signifies that this is the end of OTAs, which is crazy. just feels like this offseason mm-hmm. has just blown by, and now you're going to head into mandatory minicamp for the next three days after that. Um, and this thing's going to wrap up pretty quickly, and, and these guys are going to ship off. 
and enjoy their July mm-hmm. and hopefully their training, keeping their head on straight, not get any in any ATV accidents. Uh, sorry to go there, but those are always the I concerns that. that you have uh, with the players when they are off for an entire month before training camp. So. Uh, this group needs to be focused and dialed in. And so this has been, I would say, a successful OTAs for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. I think they've been able to gather a lot of information about their current roster. And I think you've seen a lot of improvements over the course of yeah. o- of these last couple months. So very exciting to see where this group's at and hope to continue to see some explosive plays on both sides of the ball come uh, tomorrow. And they knock on wood have, have prevented uh, any major injuries to anyone. All sideline players have been guys like Bradley McDougald who are coming back from surgery and they're just kind of resting them until training camp in August. Or guys that they're like, you know what? It's OTAs. Just take the day. Rest that knee. Do whatever you need to do. Uh, Next, we take a look at the MLB. All 40 rounds of the MLB draft have concluded. These are actual players drafted by the Seattle Mariners that I am personally excited about. (laughs) Carter Binns, Antoine Mystico, Patrick Frick, Logan Reinhardt, and then um, some of my favorite names, Dutch Landis, Tyler Driver, Trent Tinglestad, and I think an all-timer, but it kind of takes you a minute to realize it, Utah Jones. Utah Jones. Um, You made these up. Jake, These aren't real names. I'm assuming that you have extended profiles on all of these players. Well, of course I do. <laughs> I, I Just give me about a couple weeks because right. it's so extensive uh, that uh, you can come back to me then uh, as I finish my extensive report because I am just, I know it's Jake all Caring about all of these guys. book of baseball prospects. I cannot wait to tell you about all about Tingle I know. I, I am know. <laughs> all about it. And Utah Jones, are you kidding me? God, oh, I've been a yeah. Utah Jones fan my whole life. Absolutely. Just a... Even uh, before he was born. A distant relative of Indiana Jones. Wow. Yes. That is a fun fact that you only learn here on Seattle Sports at Night. That's correct. Um, so we're sticking with the Mariners. Baseball America moved Seattle's top prospect, Jared Kelnick, up 30 spots in their top 100 prospect rankings. And he's been doing a good job, recently promoted to high Modesto. This is according to uh, the Miners Mariners official Twitter account. Jared Kelnick has reached base safely in 49 of his first 55 games in the Mariners organization. He is cleaning up. Absolutely insane. Uh, when you make a big-time trade, for a guy like Jared Kelnick, and you give up the prospects that you give up, or, or the players you give up, mm-hmm. I mean, and Edwin Diaz for Jared Kelnick, you better hit. And they are heavily relying on Jared Kelnick to be one of their superstars for this organization. If they are going to be able to make this turnaround from tearing it down to the studs and now taking this team to get it ready to compete in 2020, 2021, in that range, you have to have your prospects and number one prospect like Jared Kelnick performing this way and it's very positive it gets you excited and hopefully that he can stay on this trajectory because if he does he is seems that to be a superstar in this league and I can't wait I love everything about this guy Um, he's got a great head on his shoulders he's intense uh, he's fiery um, and and keeps his body in great shape and just has a firm understanding of what it means to be a pro. Handling himself right all the way since he's come into this organization. And let's continue to see this uh, progression. And I wouldn't be surprised that he continues to get bumped up even one to two more levels uh, as he ends this season. Uh, so he's on a great track. And again, if the Mariners are going to do this right, you have to have prospects like Kellenick 
do what he's doing, and they've got to find a couple more guys uh, to go along with it. Because as you saw last night with the the Houston Astros, or tonight, I mean, uh, you have superstar players in their organization that is in your division, and they have bred those guys the right way. They have gone through the scouting, they have developed their prospects, and now they have five, four to five superstar players on their roster. And that is what the Mariners are trying to get done. And you have to think, too, and this sounds bad, but I I think it's true. Having an elite prospect like Kelnick, the fact that he keeps producing almost buys you a little bit more time. Because imagine the Mariners, the state that they're in right now, saying, you know, yeah, we're going to turn it around. Don't worry. Our eyes are on 2020, 2021. But then performing as poorly as they've been without any standout prospects. without a doubt. Without a doubt. When you're saying to, hey, we're going to tear it down to the studs. It helps to have that guy there without a doubt and your your product your major league product what it looks like right now is abysmal let's just mm-hmm. be honest with what it what it is right no, now it is so bad. so now if you're a mariners fan the only hope that you have with the guys like you say the only prospect that looks great right now is daniel vogelback he's the guy that is giving you a lot of hope on the major league level marco gonzalez you say kikuchi they are not doing it for you right now so the only place you have to turn to is the minors and to look at how those prospects are doing. And right now, Jared Kelenic is obviously that shining star and the last beam of hope that the Mariners have to have faith in what Jerry DePoto is trying to do, like you, like you pointed out. Last story of the timeline concerns none other than Ja Rule. Ah. Ja himself has some news about Fire Festival, one of my all-time favorite topics. In an interview with The Breakfast Club, Ja Rule said, let's not act like every... I'm taking out some expletives. Let's not act like everybody wasn't coming to the Fire Festival. It was done wrong. It was organized bad. But the idea of it was dope. The marketing was dope. Everything was done right on that end. (laughs) The execution was extremely bad, man. Here's the thing. Ja Rule... Fire Festival was a mess. Nothing about it's like saying like the idea of a concert isn't bad. No, concerts are amazing. Fire Festival itself was uh, an awful idea. Awful. Under what and what planet could you get this done? What it was, you're talking about a con artist move here. How could you have you're, executed it? That's what I'm saying. Exactly. The, the thing is, is that you're saying, oh, the marketing was dope. Every yeah, that's because you conned everybody the into thinking yes, the marketing what it was, was dope because it effectively conned people into going exactly. there. Exactly. Like yeah, my advice to Ja Rule, and he's not going to take it. He's not going to listen to anybody because clearly, think he listens? no. Stop talking about it. <laughs> Get as far away as you that's possibly can doing. from Fire Festival. Quit talking about it because you just make yourself look dumb yes. every time it gets brought up. You don't handle it the right way. You don't talk about it the right way. This was not a good idea. This was done all wrong all the way around, and you acting like you had nothing to do with the yep. bad side yep. of this is completely false. And so it's amazing to me that he continues to talk about it. Um, it blows my mind, and that was one of the craziest documentaries that I've watched uh, and, Did you watch and the Stacey, Hulu one? You, I watched Wild. both of them, Netflix Wild. and Hulu. And the thing is, is that you nailed it on the head with your comparison of the AAF. Yeah. Immediately, you said, I don't know, guys. I feel like the AAF is the Fire Festival uh, 2.0. And I kind of I, I kind of shrugged it off to the side. Oh, Stacy, they got everything lined up. But that's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. They had zero money. Ebersol no and all those other guys. Thing. Correct. The only difference was is it's almost in reverse, Stacey. They had 
they had the product. The football people had the product. They had the execution of that side of things and the media side of things. But they had no money. Mm-mm. They had zero money to pay anybody. But you, And then you lied about it. Because yes. that's the thing with both this and Fire Festival. The idea of an alternative football league is fun. The idea of a concert on an island is fun. The problem is when you know it's not working and you continue to do it anyways... I have an idea of getting a sports car. That's a fun idea. But, like, I'm also serious about it. And I don't constantly defend a bad investment or say that I take out, like, a $50,000 loan to get one. That's a bad idea. I don't defend it by saying, well, sports cars are really cool. Right. It just, it's it's <laughs> like, mind-blowing. And the audacity to continue to go along with that just is amazing to me. So, um Man, this is this is always a funny one well, when you I see talk about these. Forever. Yeah, the fire festival, you know, popping up on on the timeline because it just it is fascinating all the way around. Well, and the AAF in particular made me mad. Fire festival is I wasn't involved, and I like many other people. You feel bad, and you and you're in awe of it. I felt more bad for the workers that were there, for and sure, the employees that were there, and less bad for social media influencers that spent thousands of dollars to go there. I do feel bad for you. It sucks. I wouldn't I wouldn't want anyone to go through that, but I feel much more right. bad about people who didn't get paid for their labor. With the AAF, I feel bad for players that thought they were getting a way to reach their dreams. Yeah. That didn't. Without a doubt. And there were pl- that not only were there players but also coaches along with it as well. And this was an opportunity to have a great impact on the football community. And they fell short dramatically, and they cut corners because they were trying to get in front of the XFL, yep. which is coming around this this time next year. And um, or sorry, in January, the same timeline of when the AAF was coming. So they the AAF jumped the gun when they weren't ready. They didn't have everything in place because they were trying to beat their competitor mm-hmm. in the XFL. And the XFL stood back. They they were patient, and now they have money they have a proper business plan and now we'll see if they can actually execute the product it's a completely different situation and so man it's uh it's crazy to see how this whole thing unfolded i can't wait for the inevitable netflix documentary about the aaf coming up next jake and i will talk about two interviews that two separate seahawks cornerbacks gave tuesday with 710 espn specifically we're going to look at how both players want to improve in 2019 and why the secondary in particular is going to need it that's next on seattle sports at night Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I am Seahawks insider Stacey Rost, joined by the quarterback, Jake Heaps. Jake, have you uh, listened to the interviews we have with Shaquille Griffin and Trey Flowers yet? I did, actually. I got to listen to those live as I was driving around yesterday going from a couple of my personal trainings um, no bragging that I had in, in Tacoma. No bragging. No it's, bragging. It, no, I, no, no, no. I, I love my personal trainings with my kids. I, you know, it's, it's a blast. So, yeah. Um, and, and got to listen to both of them, I saw uh, Jackson them, throw on the rock. Oh, yeah, of course. Got to get him right. He's going to be ready. I think it's going to be, you know, 20, <laughs> I think he's got a good season. 20, 34, 35, somewhere in there. Curtis so. and I already have our jerseys in support got- of the Heaps family. <laughs> <laughs> I, told, uh, I told National Recruiter Brandon Huffman from uh, 247 Sports to make sure he gets his five stars ready. Yep, yep. Um, Get that for Jackson. So we're working it already. Um, you know, so we'll start with, we'll break down both interviews, but we're, we'll start with Shaquille Griffin. 
Shaquille yesterday joined Bob Graz and Tom, and he had a kind of a standout rookie season. Richard Sherman took him under his wing, uh, ended up finishing the year as a regular starter at right corner. So last year, with the departure of Richard Sherman, Shaquille switched over to the left corner spot and did not go easy on himself when asked to assign himself a grade for his performance. Last year, if I'm critiquing myself as hard as I can, it was a it was a D. It was a D plus for me. You know, I, I feel like the plays that I, I they wanted me to be that person, the next person up, they can look up to and that person to lead and to make those plays when there's plays to be made. And um, I feel like it was just average, and I can't be that average guy on this team. You know, you know, being that number one cornerback position, they need me to make those splash plays. That, so yeah, that yeah. to me was uh, I I was very encouraged, Stacy. I don't know about you. It's not always good to hear a player give himself a D grade or a D plus grade. It's rough, man. Right, but I love the honesty and I love the the realism that he had of what his season was last year. And I think a combination of it is one expectations where he was supposed to be last year. He was supposed to assume that role of the being the number one corner. And he was fairly or not, you're following in the steps of an All Pro corner. And Richard Sherman, you're right, and he was the succession plan. Absolutely, he was, and he did not fulfill that responsibility. It is hard to replace Richard Sherman. It's pretty much impossible to do. Um, but look, Shaq did not live up to the expectations, not just playing at an all-pro level, Mm -hmm. but playing at a above-average level. He gave up huge plays on third down, third and longs. He he repeatedly got beat deep um, over the top and at times looked lost in coverage and just was not playing the ball like we saw him play his rookie year and didn't see the progression. We saw regression. And that is something that Shaq Griffin and this Seahawks defense can't afford. They can't afford for him Mm -hmm. to take a step back. And they are relying on him to be a massive piece of this whole rebuilding process for this defense moving forward. And I'm glad that he recognized that because he has to improve. And I thought also what was great to hear was some of the reasons why he, some of the reasons why he thought he wasn't as successful last season and what he needs to do better moving forward. And this is what he said about wanting to be a bit more mature. I feel like last year I was so big on, oh, let's get these many picks or this many pass breakups. I feel like, you know, the maturity level of it, I feel like I wasn't thinking the correct way. So this year, you know, when it comes to setting goals, it's just not about, you know, the specific stats that I want. Mm-hmm. You know, it's first off just becoming a better teammate, a better player, you know, just correcting myself more as a as a person, as a man, and, you know, and help this team win ball games no matter what it is and what they need me to do. If I can help us win ball games, you know, and play my part, everything else, the accolades and the stats will come along with it. And he's also slimmed down a bit in 2019. My main goal was to just trim everything off, you know, get back lean again so I can get back faster. You know, I want to feel good. I want it to feel easy for me to run and break. And I finally got that. I think I trimmed maybe 12 pounds off. Mm-hmm. So, faster from, whoa, from your playing weight last year? Yeah, trimmed really? off like 12 pounds. So, yeah, definitely faster. <laughs> it's no small number. Yeah, it, it's not. It's significant. Yeah, for an athlete who's already in shape to try to lose 12 pounds, it's not easy. Right, and and Shaq is one of the fastest guys on the field uh, uh, in any game that he plays. He has elite-level speed, and you saw that at different times last year. Him you know, uh, uh, tracking down a running back uh, when he's 10 yards behind him and being able to catch up with him. But you didn't see it translate at his position when it was needed. And I think... 
what he also said later on in that quote was that he was now that he has that weight down, mm-hmm. he's able to play at a high level consistently, not just one or two plays and he's exhausted, but that he's able to sustain that level um, and, and be able to play fast. And that is going to be huge for him moving forward. And that's something that he had to do in order to to play at that type of level that the Seahawks need him to play at. So he's a huge factor in all this, Stacey. To me, he is my number one concern and question in the secondary. People look at safety. More than Trey Flowers. More than Trey Flowers. And more than whoever's More than safety. whoever the next safety is going to be. Interesting. I believe that Shaq Griffin is a huge piece to the Seahawks defense being successful. And the, and the safeties are a close second. Don't get me wrong. But Shaq stepping up and being able to, to solidify one side of the field is massive. And I, for whatever reason, I don't have a whole lot of evidence to prove this, but I just feel very comfortable with Trey Flowers. I feel very confident in him, his demeanor. I believe that playing his first year, going from safety to corner, he did it fantastically. And, and he progressed every single game. I believe that he's going to be able to make uh, bigger leaps and bounds going into year two. I just like the way the guy's wired. And he talked about making those leaps and bounds, specifically what he needs to do to get his first interception. I think it ties into a lot. You know, um, my main thing right now is really not to press and let plays come to me. You know, just like I said, playing my position and not trying to do everybody else's job and just doing mine. I know a ball comes to me sooner or later. All it takes is one. They come in bunches. So I know I can get one. The rest of the season's good. Jake, when you were watching Trey Flowers on the field last year, and I agree, I think I can't tell if it's because so many of us feel this way, so we talk about it, and maybe um, through doing that, it reassures others about Trey Flowers' play. But there was something about his ability to attack the ball that was so consistent. Um, the fact that he was thrown into a starting role and and just managed to improve game after game came as close as he did all season to getting that pick in the final regular season game. So just showing a very steady improvement. When he talks about kind of what he needs to improve on, can you kind of explain what you saw on the field and what he might mean with, okay, I really need to focus on my job. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. And uh, look, everybody wants to be that playmaker, wants to get the yeah. interceptions, wants to get the PBUs. Those are a huge part of it. But you don't get that opportunity if you're not sound in your technique, if you're not sound in your coverage and doing your job. Just by simply doing your job, you're going to get opportunities. And if you're in the right place at the right time because you're doing your job, great things are going to happen. And that was a consistent thing that you heard in that Seahawks building over and over and over again. Just do your job. And a word I can't say, but basically it was don't make stuff up. Okay? (laughs) All right? I just replaced a word there. Don't make stuff up. Don't try and go outside of yourself to help another teammate or to cover for him or to get yourself in a position to to make the big play. Just do your job and things are going to happen. Good things are going to come your way. And I think for Shaq, he talked about that with his maturity level and, and refocusing himself. And with Trey Flowers, he just has this consistent, easy presence about him. If you just focus on doing your job right, you're going to be able to put yourself in a position to make plays. And I think that's going to be key for both of those guys moving forward. They have the ability to get after uh, get after the, the ball and break it up. They've shown that over the course of their short careers. 
now it's taking that next step. And if they can firm up their technique, it will be a huge uh, solidifying factor for this defense that they haven't had in a little while since they had Richard Sherman and Byron Maxwell and Brandon Browner and those guys. It will be a big boost to this defense, and they and those two guys in particular mm-hmm. have to step up in order for this defense to to take it to the next level. And that secondary in particular, to me, whenever you and I and Curtis Rogers would talk about the biggest needs for this team, how often I always said defensive line, and I'm not alone. I think that's an area most people were looking at, and that was before the trade of Frank Clark. Correct. Following the trade of Frank Clark, it was even stressed even more, especially the pass rush. How are they going to get an edge rusher? They really need to replace Clark at that Leo position. What's happening there? These are all conversations that were happening, but to me, maybe it's because Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright are returning to that front seven. Um, maybe it's because I have uh, still some confidence that a guy like uh, Jaron Reed can take another step forward. But it seems like with the secondary in particular, if they can't come together, that'll be your biggest liability. For sure. And it it showed up at different times. I think people look at the pass rush and rightfully so that they were not able to get the hurries, as many hurries as they needed to, to disrupt the timing for a quarterback. But also there were times last year, Stacey, where it was simply too easy. It was too easy for Phillip Rivers to come in here in your own house and dice you up. It was too easy for a Nick Mullins to come in your house Nick Mullins. and dice you up. It, it was too easy at times, and a large part had to do with the secondary. Not the defensive pressure. Yes, that plays a big factor into it, but the secondary. And people can say, well, correlation happens. Pass rush helps secondary. For sure, without a doubt. But but leaving guys wide open and letting them run free, guys, that, that doesn't have anything to do with pass rush. That has everything to do with doing your job, being at the right place at the right time, understanding your scheme, and working together. And that did not happen last year. And also, when you have your one-on-one battles, you take care of those. You handle them. And if you're Shaq Griffin, you're going into year three, and you want to be the number one corner on this roster, mm-hmm. you handle your one-on-one battles. And Trey Flowers, if you want to eventually be that all-pro corner that I firmly believe that you can be, you got to handle your one-on-one battles. And you got to make it tough and scary for opposing quarterbacks to want to challenge you. And right now, as of right now, that is not the case, and they need to prove that coming into this next season. Jake, let's take a look at the offense. Okay, let's do it. Because uh, we heard a quote from Brian Schottenheimer at OTA's Tuesday. Yeah, was he talking about evolving? He, he might have been, uh, or he might not have been. Okay, interesting. That's next on Big If True. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back into Seattle Sports at Night. Don't forget, you can listen to our show via the 710 Sports app, driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. I am Seahawks insider Stacey Ross, joined here by a very jealous Jake Heaps. Jealous? Yeah, because... Of what? I'll tell you of what. Of my growing 5'8 and under football team that you cannot be a part of. <laughs> you are green with envy. Okay, let's let's let everybody in on what we're talking about here. Well, Stacy They've been let in. Stacey put out a tweet today that kind of challenged 
uh, the five, eight, and higher group. Yeah. You said that you're going to put a five, eight, and under football team together. And you specifically called out me, Brock, and Dave Wyman. I sure did. And said, let's go. So we've kind of been having fun going back and forth a little bit. And... um. It was all fun and games until Angie Mintic of uh, yeah, Root Sports came right. into the conversation and said that she's going to oh, dust off the cleats oh, and get involved in this. My little MVP. And uh, that, all I got to say is not cool. Like we were just I'm focusing in our world now. on seven to, and then you've got to come in, Angie, and you've got to come in and just kind of steal the show here. I don't know why you weren't just as intimidated when it was just me and Shannon. Well, yeah, we, we can talk about it another time. But Angie getting involved, that changes the dynamic of this thing. I like the idea of our um, our defensive line being made up of Angie uh, as one pass rusher and me and Shannon standing on each other's shoulders in a trench coat as another pass rusher. <laughs> <laughs> Angie might just be able to wreck this whole thing herself. Uh, oh, she, she's going to far and away be my best player. Yeah, I tweeted back at her uh, with uh-oh, and Icebox from Little Giants, because that's exactly <laughs> the type of player that she is. Just an absolute game changer, game wrecker on both sides of the ball. Uh, yeah, the only person that has a chance versus Angie yeah. is Dave. That's about it. That's, I mean, even then, my money's still on Angie. Yeah, I, I don't know. She's she's a whole another level. I just think you know, it all started when I was convinced until about two weeks ago that our own Danny O'Neill is a former quarterback, like former college quarterback. Yes. Because if you Google Danny O'Neill, his photo pops up with Danny O'Neill, former American football <laughs> quarterback, because there was a Danny O'Neill that played at Oregon. And I just never questioned it. Why right. would I question it? And then Bob Stelton was appalled at part of it is because Bob Stelton is a heightist. Ah. Bob Stelton has a really hard time believing that folks under six feet specifically folks under, say, 5'8 or so, mm-hmm. can can be elite athletes like myself. I I could see that out of Bob. Yeah. I could see that out of Bob and without so a doubt. And so I'm just tired of you six-footers, you talls, getting all <laughs> the glory, all the fame. You guys get picked first for sports. You get picked first for dodgeball in elementary school. Uh-huh. And you know who was picked last? Who? Kids like me. <sighs> I'm, so, I'm tired of it. I'm sorry. It's just uh, that's, so now you can't even that's line how up. the way the world no, works. No, you're not allowed. I'm starting my own league. Okay. <laughs> that would, we be, took a that long, would be an entertaining league. <laughs> we took a long road to today's Big If True, but <laughs> we're going to get into it right now. Let's go. This can't be happening. Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did, did he, he say, say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious. Today's Big If True comes to us from Seahawks offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer. Now, Jake, you and I have talked about this earlier this year. Brian Schottenheimer, in an interview with 710 ESPN Seattle, said uh, they will be looking to refine the offense a little bit. In fact... When you and I were filling in for Clayton, we talked about this specifically, about mm-hmm. all the ways that he that he he didn't say like how he wanted to do it, but he said, look, there was stuff that we didn't do well. We're always going to be the offense we are. We're always going to be a run-first offense, but we know we can change and we want to change. Well, at OTA's Tuesday, 
This is what he had to say when asked about that. We're never going to apologize for the way we run the football. Uh, each game's different. You know, I think uh, you go into each game and you're like, hey, you know, what gives the best chance to win? We feel like we can beat people however we need to beat them. And uh, a lot goes into each game. It's offense, it's defense, it's special teams. Um, but uh, we have no question in our minds that we can win however we have to win. Okay, here's my question, Jake. Does this in any way to you sound like backtracking or does it sound because if that's the case, this is big if true to me. If the Seahawks do not make noticeable changes, I'm not saying they have to be a different offense. Yes. And I don't think he is either. No one's calling for that. As long as Carol is there, it doesn't matter if Schottenheimer's there. As long as Carol's there, this is the offense they're going to run. Correct. But you have I have just assumed that they would like to pass the ball more than 47 percent of the time. Well, and the other thing is the word that has been used time and time again from Schottenheimer, right. from Pete Carroll, from different people on the team, uh, Dwayne Brown, who is still, to my knowledge, is still uh, Seahawks Twitter uh, king right now. That's my for, understanding. For talking about needing to throw the ball yep. a little bit more. Um, the word has been evolve. We mm-hmm. are going to evolve. We're going to grow this thing. And that's where the conversation goes. And now... Schottenheimer talking about kind of sticking to his guns and we are not going to change for anybody. And he apo- he said we're not going to apologize thrice. Thrice. Three times. Three times. So you know it's real. <laughs> you know he's not apologizing. That's right. You know it's real when he's talking about <laughs> it three times. And no matter what else uh, people think or what they have to say, and I think he's talking specifically at the analytics analytics people out there uh, that want to point out to the flaws of their offensive system. Mm-hmm. They were able to accomplish great things last year. They were. They did. Uh, they were able to turn this thing around, and I believe that they played a style of football that fits this team and plays the strengths of this team. With that being said, I do believe that there needs to be a little bit of evolution. It doesn't mean that you need to change the identity. Run first. I'm all bored with that, mm-hmm. and I believe it fits the strength of this team. But you need to put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands more, and you need to give him more opportunities to attack downfield and be able to grow this thing because one thing that they were not good at Stacy last year was third downs and the reason why they weren't good on third downs is because they didn't have a strong short to intermediate pass game that is something that they have to evolve and get better at I think the one thing that they are very very comfortable at and are very successful at is the deep play action pass game I believe that that's not only where Russell's most comfortable Tyler Lockett's most comfortable, but I believe that's also what Brian Schottenheimer Mm. is most comfortable dialing up, and they are extremely, extremely good at it. It is not easy. It is not easy to dial up consistently deep play action after deep play action and it be as successful as it was last season. They are dynamic and doing it differently than everybody else. What makes them so good at it? Because what they're able to do is they are able to attack the safeties with their passing combinations. And Tyler does such a great job with his deep overs and changing it up. Uh, Brian Schottenheimer does a great job in changing it up from it being the traditional, this receiver in this set is always going to go deep and this guy's always going to be the deep crosser. You always see that. They mix it up extremely well and... The corners and safeties have no idea who's doing what at any given time. And they have a couple different variations that they do that makes it extremely difficult. Do you think uh, Schottenheimer doesn't pit his receivers in boxes? Um, Is that a way to say it? Well, I think, we, no, not necessarily, because I do think he puts them in a box in a sense that everything is deep vertically down the field, where if 
he wasn't putting them in a box, then he would have them doing a lot of different things, mm. uh, short to intermediate to deep, whereas they are very comfortable attacking deep down the field, right? And so that's where I want to see the evolution of this thing. It's not necessarily that they have to change it being passing first and run first in their percentage, but you need to make them a little bit more balanced. And yes, Stacey, if there is a game where you're not winning the line of scrimmage, things are going wrong, then you are willing to adapt and put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands like you did in Carolina, and he won the game for you. He absolutely did that and has that ability. That's why he is the highest paid player in the National Football League. That's why you paid this man. That's why you centered your franchise around him. So you got to give him the opportunities and feel comfortable, feel confident and comfortable doing so. And and so that to me, if he talked about just like that clip yeah. that we played, you're not going to change for anybody, but you're willing to look at it game by game basis and figure out what gives your team the best chance to win. If you can do that, Brian Schottenheimer, I'm on board. If you cannot, like the Dallas game last year in the playoffs, exactly, you're going to do it no matter what. That's where you're going to start to lose people, and that's where people are going to start getting upset because you're not seeing an evolution and not seeing adaptability. And that's what I'm wondering with this quote, is him saying, uh, we're not going to apologize we're not going to apologize for being a run-first offense, or is it we're not going to apologize with sticking with our plan no matter what because sometimes it works? Yeah. And I have to think— What, what do you think's worse? What, or what do you think would be— Sticking with your plan no matter what. Yeah. I, I have no issue with a team being a run-first team. I'm not a, a head coach. I'm not an offensive coordinator. I recognize that even as someone in sports radio— I know significantly less. It's not even close. I'm not even in the same city of of someone that understands how to run and construct and execute an offense. So, yeah, like folks can, you know, look at the analytics and say, oh, you know, you can do a little bit more of this. But I understand that these people are coaches and, and they have a deeper understanding. That being said, it's fair to critique. It's fair to ask questions. It's It's also fair to say... I've seen you do it this way before. And I think that's what people were pointing to with Dallas. They weren't saying, be something you're not. They were saying, but we saw you do something else. And and you approached Carolina with your run-first mentality, and they just kept you from it. They didn't put up... It was the first game in weeks that they didn't rush for more than 100 yards, I think, or Correct. have a 100-yard yeah. rusher. And, yeah. and, and you changed. And so if you hadn't done it, like if you would have think... If they would have lost to Carolina... And they would have been outscored and it would have been uh, not the typical low scoring close affair that it normally is. Maybe they wouldn't have been as heavily critiqued against Dallas because people would have thought, well, here we go again. And this is the same problem they run into. But it's the fact that they adjusted and that post game they were proud of that. And they said it in a way that was we're glad to have the balance we do. Like the reason we pay Russell Wilson what we pay him is because at any point in a game we can turn to him and we can put the ball in his hands. And so it's just it was kind of weird to see that shift in that game to Dallas, and I think that's why folks were angry about it. Or not angry, but they were frustrated. Oh, they were very. Yeah, angry. They were angry. Let's I'm, be I'm being a they, little. They were angry. And... At the same time, though, just just to finish up my point, because I I want to know what you think about it. Yeah. I have to think I'm reading a little bit into this because of specifically the selection of a guy like DK Metcalf. Mm. Okay. That's not a receiver you get to just replace Doug Baldwin. Right. 
It's true. You you don't. And you fit DK Metcalf. We've said this all along. Fits exactly their scheme. Mm-hmm. He's not a offense changer, meaning that he can run every single route in the playbook. He can do so many unique and dynamic things that you have to build your offense or shift it to to uh, give DK Metcalf the best opportunity to get as many receptions uh, and really feed him the ball. He is the best deep, deep threat receiver in this draft, and he fits exactly what you already do. Mm-hmm. And you're hoping that point. he can plug and play and can stretch down the field and do what you are already comfortable doing. And again, I think it fits into that model of we're comfortable with who we are. We know what our strengths are. We know we need to get better in certain aspects, and we're trying to do that. But when push comes to shove, I think we will see this offense go back to what their what their identity is versus um, being adaptable, like we said, and switching more to a passing offense. I think that they will kind of go in reverse in that aspect and say, hey, we're sticking to our guns here. And that will, if that's the case, they will get themselves in trouble uh, at different points in time because you're running up, and especially at the beginning of the season, you're running up against a heck of a starting schedule. And we're going to find out a lot about this team, a lot about this offense, and what they're willing to do uh, in terms of passing the football. It'll be interesting for sure. We've got a fun segment to wrap up the show. We're going to play Ask Us Anything. Play? Sure. <laughs> it's Absolutely. a game to me. Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I love Always playing this game. Text in your questions. Anything you want to ask to 710-710, the Coors Light text line. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I am Seahawks insider Stacey Ross, joined here by the quarterback, Jake Heaps. We're going to wrap up the show tonight answering some of your questions on the Coors Light text line. You can text those to 710-710. I'm going to get started with this one, Jake. It looks uh, like it's definitely a real question on the text line. Are you jealous you can't be on Stacey's 5-8 and under football team? Oh, my gosh. That is from a telephone number. Oh, I'm sure it is. Maybe yours? Let me look this up. Nope. Uh, oh, yeah, I think it is. Uh, no, I am not jealous. I'm happy to be on the six foot and over club. And Dave Wyman and Brock Heward and I will just have a great time. You know what I will say? Our plane rides to games that we are not really playing are going to be so much more comfortable. <laughs> and that's something we will always have. Over well, you. I guess that is true. But you know what? We've learned to adapt. Okay. We've, we've overcome that in right. our lifetime, and okay. so we're, we're we're not we're not concerned about that. Jake from the two hundred six. What's the most annoying children's TV character of all time? You have a son. You watch a lot of children's TV. I've heard you talk about it before. Mm. I want to know which one is, you've talked about um, being a fan. Yes. Kind of Jackson will maybe fall asleep. All of a sudden, you're getting really into it. Yes. Uh, I have noticed that. In but I want to know yes. if there's if there's one where you're like, man, I can't wait for Jackson to not like this show anymore. Um, there's one show on Amazon right now. It's called Mini Force. Okay. It is horrible. And this is not is a, in the same uh, world as Paw Patrol. No. I can it, only assume. No, it's not. It is not even Not close. the same precinct. Yeah. How dare you compare the two <laughs> You're right. Of them, I'm okay? sorry. I'm sorry. Don't even go there. Okay. okay? Paw Patrol is on its whole nother level. Uh, he just Paw Patrol randomly... is the HBO premiere. Correct, cable. and and Mini Force is way below this. Pathetic. I I don't I don't know how we 
how he started watching this show. I think it was one of those things where it looked cool, like the cover, like yeah. don't judge a book by its. We've we, all been there. We looked at the cover and was like, oh, this might be a really cool show. We turned it on. Absolutely terrible. So I do not recommend it. Does uh, he like it though? He loves it. Oh, he wants to watch it all the time. Hey, can we watch no. Mini Force? No, we we <laughs> they stopped. We really there's don't. no more Mini exactly. Force. Exactly. We that's exactly what we tell him. Or it's just broken, buddy. We can't we can't turn it. You on. guys it's lie broken. to him. Yes. Oh, I'm not going to put myself through that, especially if I'm not in the mood for it. I want to watch Ninja Turtles or <laughs> Paw Patrol or you know, let's you. watch a movie. Let's let's do something else, buddy. Come on. So I would say that, and then the uh, like a specific character. I would say um, there's a Netflix show called PJ Masks. It's a great show. Love okay. it. Okay. I think you would personally enjoy it. I will add it okay? to my watch list. Yeah, PJ Masks. But the the villain, his name's Romeo, and he is pretty annoying. So oh. I'm not I'm not a big fan Maybe of Romeo. Maybe that's why he's the villain, though. W- without a doubt. Yeah. Yes. You're like, I'm fine with them writing him off the show. Correct. That's uh, okay. Yes. Um, from the 360, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would it, you say? Let's say you're like entering high school. Mm, that's a good. Question. That's a more entertaining age than like very young Stacy. Don't eat that entire thing of pudding. Like I, I think high school is a little more. You I would know what say. I, mean? I would say all white is not a good look. Okay. I used to wear all white outfits. Was it? Did you white do this shirts. before Memorial Day? Yes, I used Jake. to do it all the time. I'm white shirt, white perturbed. shorts, just uh, white sweatpants. Like oh, I used to why? be white. Out and I have no idea. I thought I was matching. I just thought it was cool. Did you cool. think you were Diddy? I, I guess. I mean, probably. The, I mean, it was also cool to be a little bit baggy at the time too. Oh, so I was God. just this white baggy mess walking around. <laughs> so I, it, that's one advice that I would probably give myself going into high school. Suddenly, Dave's comment about you makes more sense. What was right Dave's Tuesday, comment about? I told Dave. <laughs> I told Dave. Dave, are you proud that I'm wearing not the same outfit to yeah. to camp again, which I've done a million times? He totally forgot we had this conversation, of course. And I and I said, "Yeah, Jake reminded me." And he said, "Then why does he still look like a slob?" Oh, wow. And okay, I Dave. laughed so hard. Okay, well. It was the funniest joke Dave has ever made. Yeah, well, so that wasn't a joke, is was it? Duly noted. I just because Jake, I'm not you were there to, in sweats. I am there in sweats. I'm in athletic did wear. Did you go to the weight room after? And I'm not Yes, okay. If uh, Maybe no, I No, I didn't, did. but I'll tell you uh, that I did. Okay. Uh, but yeah, why why do I need to go out there and be in I'm trying slacks to impress and, anyone. You're right. You're like, right. I'm just trying to watch practice. Like, get off my back. Okay. Okay. Jeez, okay. Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Jake's fired up. I now. am fired up. But I'm just. You're going to go show there. up to practice tomorrow wearing sweats and just staring everyone down. Say Hun- something. Hundred percent, I am. You know what? I'm actually just going to go in there. It's going to be 70 degrees, and I'm going to be wearing a beanie. <laughs> I'm going to be wearing hardcore sweats <laughs> just to prove a point. Do it. Um, I would tell myself, because uh, I still need to tell myself this, just to not worry what other people have to say. You've heard me say this a million times. Yeah, like I we've have. been on before, and people say mean things on the text line. They really do. They it's, do. It, honestly, the first time, the first couple times that I filled in for Brock, and I was yeah. on the morning oh, show, they, they're mean. It was like it was like college all over again. When the oh, first time God. I saw something negative, it was like a dagger to the state. heart. It was like, oh. Gosh, I, know. I don't know if I can continue to do this show anymore. I might never come back. And, and then you, you don't realize... want to call it out because you're like, I don't want them to know that the, to, for yeah. them to have the satisfaction of Correct. me seeing it. Exactly. But, you know, over time, you realize that, hey, this is only one 
stupid person that's yep. texting in that wants to be mean and they're hiding behind their phone and they'd never say that to you in person. Yeah. Um, but also that you get a lot of positive things in return as well. You do. So yeah, you people take, are also great. We have gotta, a lot of listeners who are awesome. Correct. And our Seattle Sports at Night crew in particular, they're, yeah. they're shout out. the best. Shout out. They, shout are, out. They, are, they are super supportive. So we appreciate you guys. But yeah, it took me a little bit to just kind of have fun with it mm-hmm. and get over it and not worry about what the text line has to say. I think it's something that's it's a hard skill to learn. And I, I am not ashamed to say that I, I didn't start learning how to do that until more recently. And I wish that I could have told my high school self, like, start now. It's going to take a long time to, like, not care what people say. Start now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, I'll do last question. Have you ever lied about how you got an injury? Ooh. Like maybe it was an embarrassing way to get an injury. I can't I like I don't think I have, but I've probably had a lot of embarrassing injuries that I'm just not thinking of. Yeah. Um that's a really good question. <gasps> oh, I have a quick one. Okay. I um when I was in Cabo, we were coming back from a dinner and I uh there was a decorative giant treasure chest like you could have fit like six of me in here and it was in the lobby i told you about this when we came back i saw it and i was like you guys and i went up to it and i tried to pry it open just with my hands and it ripped my whole nail off down to like like half of my nail was left on my skin and um and i said i uh my mom asked me about it and i didn't want to say that I had been out because <laughs> I love my mom and I like I don't even swear in front of my parents. Yes. And so I said, Oh, I fell. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you, did. you just I fell. fell. I fell. That's so lame. Oh, and you just ripped I your caught fingernail. I my fall with my fingernail. fingernail. Yeah, all the force went to my fingernail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my there have the brunt. There have absolutely been a couple of them where I faked uh the actual injury. Um I don't know if I want to tell this to the Do it. Okay. All right. Come so on. my freshman year, okay, my freshman year of high school football at Skyline High School, I was so fired up to finally be in high school because I dreamed of being a Skyline Spartan. Like that was my goal. Like yeah. people like kids these days are so worried about scholarships and I'm gonna make it big one. Like I just the Skyline High School was the NFL to me. Mm-hmm. And I'd worked so hard to to get to this moment, you know, and, and it was super but fired up. That's probably why you it. were so good. And 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 so my freshman year, they had me playing punter as well. Okay, why not? So quarterback and punter, and I, I, I was clearly the best punter on the team for on the freshman team and whatever. So, do you think you we, were the best punter in the history of Skyline football? No, I, I know my limits, okay. but I know that I was okay. the best in 2006 freshman Skyline High School. I was the best punter for that team, okay. without a doubt. So I feel good about the sacrifice that I made, but it came at a cost. And my first game, we were playing Bellevue, big deal, rivalry. And I, it's, okay, we're punting the ball. We didn't convert on third down. And I kicked this thing. It was a beautiful punt. Uh, and and kid goes back there. He catches it, returns it. And he's making moves. He's juking all the way around. And I'm like, oh. The best athlete I'm, I've ever seen. I, I'm wa- yeah, like literally. He was, <laughs> I was unbelievable. And I'm watching. I'm like, oh, It was crap. Chris Johnson. I was like, oh, crap. He's, like, he's actually breaking away with this thing. Like, I might have to go make a tackle. So... I go and I'm I'm jogging after him, going to make the tackle, and the guy literally broke my ankle. Oh no! He juked me so hard, you he broke, broke my ankle. ankle. <laughs> he broke my ankle. I tried Not to stop and I tried to lean out for him and reach for oh, him, and my no. ankle just broke right Can there. Can you imagine if if Twitter was so, what it was? So embarrassing. 
And the reason why it was so embarrassing, not just because I got my literal ankle broken. I got juke so bad I Dude, broke my ankle. Yeah. But I'm covering my I clothes. knew, or uh, I, later it came out, that I was actually going to get called up to varsity oh. the next week. And my freshman coach from then on out, he's now the defensive coordinator there, and he's a super funny guy. Um, but he got in major trouble for putting me as the punter on the team because of that. And then forever, for the rest of my high school career, it was always a joke about, hey, don't ever put heaps at the punter. Don't ever let don't him go. Don't ask heaps to tackle Don't, don't ask heaps to make a tackle. He is not I, our special teams captain. It was terrible. And even if I go back then, if I go back to high school now. They still say uh, it? Yeah, because he's still, because oh. my freshman coach is still the uh, defensive coordinator there. He'll still rib me about it all the time. He so. calls you special teams guru, Jake. <sighs> yeah, it the was, thing is, you can't lie about it. I, everyone saw it. Yeah, well, I don't mean to remind you that everyone saw it. Okay, yes, everyone saw everyone it, all right? Saw it. But for those who did not see it, I have lied about how I got my broken ankle. What do you like, say? Well, I, I just make it like, okay, well, I was going to go make the tackle, and then this guy blocked me, and then he— Yeah, you know, there was an illegal play. I yeah, got a chop block. Exactly. Like, someone someone just total dirty play They actually found ankle. out this guy was 23 years old. There was an investigation uh, after. He was a former NFL player. 100 yeah. percent. How hard he broke my ankle— Yep. There's that was no not a high schooler. O- there was no other explanation. Nope. I'm convinced. Wow. That's you a heard bi- it here that's first. That's a big confession right there. <laughs> I, was leaving, I was leaving that in the past, Stacey. <laughs> this whole time I was debating on whether I was going to tell it. Oh, uh, I'm so glad you did. I'm going to send it to Brock and Salt Don't now. you dare. I'm this is it. only for Seattle Sports nope. at Night. No. Nope. Here at around nope. 1 a.m. Somewhere around here in this the time frame. The minute we are done recording, I'm going to wait till you leave. Not cool. And then I'm going to chop up this audio. I'm going to add it to News Bus so the morning show will have access to every single <sighs> second because that's what I'm here for, Jake. <sighs> okay. Yeah. That's why we're friends. Fair enough. Fair enough. This okay. is the friendship we have. You're welcome. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, I will not be here with you tomorrow. I have the day off. But Jake Heaps will be in with Curtis Rogers for another Seattle Sports at Night at 7 p.m. They will have their takeaways from Seahawks OTAs. It's going to be the final open session of OTAs. We'll get to minicamp next week. Uh, But they're going to have some good stuff. It'll be interesting to hear from Pete Carroll for sure. (laughs) I can't wait. I can't wait. Let's go. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Seattle Sports at Night.